pulled open. Yeah, the beauty yeah. of this podcast is that <coughs> I just want to know how you are. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, how are that's you? That's the differentiator. Yeah. I'm tired. I um I haven't been sleeping well the past week. Like I said just before we hit record, I've been um trying to see more friends out outdoors in Portland where I live. Um because it's been like a year and a half since I've really seen friends on a meaningful level. And mm -hmm. that I'm realizing is draining my social energy meter way quicker than it used to, because I'm my immune system on a, on a, like a social regenerative meter is, uh, compromised low as hell. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Would you say, would you say that you're generally, this is, well, this is an interesting question. Like, I wonder if being introverted or extroverted plays into that as well. Like, where, are you introverted by nature? Are you extroverted by nature? And has that always, like, shown up in social situations? I'm extrovert. I'm, I would say I've always struggled with that question. I think yeah, – What's your Myers-Briggs? My Myers-Briggs <laughs> – list me as an extrovert, but I also, I do need time to recharge alone time. Like I love alone time. Um, and like, you know, like Christina Kim was talking about like hibernation time too. Yeah. <clears throat> but I think, um, I've always found myself to be like an introverted extrovert, like an mm -hmm. introvert who puts up the, the wall of a, of an extrovert or like the, the mask mm. of an, of an extrovert. Mm -hmm. right? Um, yeah. Yeah. I love being I, around people. I love like that gives me a lot of energy. Um, but maybe it could be pandemic related. It could be just that I have aged a year and a half since, <laughs> like you know, a year and a half ago. Um, but I'm finding I've found the last week or so to feel more tired and more like, oh, I need a rest. than yeah. I have than I remember than I can remember. Uh, Connor, I mean, to be fair for anyone that's listening to this we did just get to spend time together in person uh for almost half a week so sensory overload <laughs> it, it was i mean that was the most time i've spent with people that weren't in my family away from my home in a Seriously. year and a half yeah, um which is crazy because I mean, that's, you know, I, I love traveling. I love seeing people, but it was, yeah, it was like, it felt normal. It didn't feel weird at all, but it was also like, I'm happy to be home. Yeah. Yeah. I, I need that. Yeah. Need that downtime. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm someone who very much enjoys quiet and alone time mm -hmm. and space. And I am energized by small groups. Mm. small intimate settings where yeah. we can all hear each other. Yes, <laughs> I, yes. I can look into your eyes and like, you're exchange. not yelling over the, <laughs> no, because you know what? Like I'm, I'm not really great at doing that. Like festival voice, <laughs> you know, like when you're, when you're standing two feet away from someone, but That's everything exactly around you is so loud. And like, there's just like this <clears throat> register that people can tap into in their, yeah in yeah. their throat that just allows them to speak over that. I don't have that. <laughs> it's just, it, you're yelling. Yeah. It. You're yelling, two people yelling at each other. Yeah. And then 10 minutes in my throat hurts and I'm 
hoarse and it's yeah. like all right, need, well, a, need a lozenge yeah <laughs> your your voice range is just like right in the like hertz scale that all music is at so it yes just, it's it sits right in that pocket and there's no like <laughs> i'm not going above that the, like right. yeah right. and anything above it is a stretch and not good <laughs> <laughs> we um we did a obviously a full like wisconsin recap pod which will come out around the time that the video is published but um how are you guys feeling adjusting back home after that trip which was a as we just talked about like a big trip a it was a big trip. adventure literally yeah yeah drew i feel like you've had uh as soon as we got back as soon as we dropped you off <laughs> you were like me, your feet were already man. moving yeah, yeah. <laughs> your feet were already moving and then we touched down on uh westfall soil and you were off and what's catch us up man what's been what's been going on um i mean just a lot of like life updates that we can uh, we can talk about later on the show but okay. um yeah i mean just you know life as a as a parent will keep you busy um yeah. and uh yeah i mean it's you know it's 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 never ending uh which is mm-hmm. good and also challenging at the same time so um but yeah no things are things are good the family's good so no complaints here that's beautiful man and that's wouldn't, so... wouldn't, wouldn't have been able to do it without uh the support of my wife so shout out to her um yeah that she's uh she's the reason i'm able to to do this podcast and um you know was able to go on that trip so yeah, yeah. wouldn't be able to do it without her for sure bless that's what's so impressive to me though drew is like I, especially when we were together in person, I had to remind myself multiple times, like Drew's a father, like Drew has like, Drew is married, is like, owns a home, like is in the process, like, like you have shit going on. And I was just like, wow, um, I feel like an infant. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) Like, damn, my man got his stuff together. (laughs) Exactly. No, but like. I, I, I was really impressed with how you like Drew, how you navigated how you continue to navigate work and like all of the things that you're juggling with like such a calm demeanor. It's so mm-hmm. admirable and impressive and just like shocking, frankly. <laughs> Dude, thank cool. you. Appreciate that. It's um yeah, like I said, it's it's great to have a, a support system, family and friends around you. And 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 you too as well. I mean, I, I obviously lean on you guys too. Uh, do a lot of things for the for the show and make it make it possible for all of the folks listening to to hear this. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's truly a it's truly a group effort. It's not it's definitely not just me. Yeah. Have you been able to play any golf recently? I played a twilight round the other day, which was really nice. Um, but yeah, that's that's about it. I, I think all of my golf is just related to like work work things now, which is fine because um, usually it involves free golf. But yeah, no. <laughs> Not a lot of like just relaxing golf, unfortunately. Yeah. Did you play by yourself or were you with other people? Oh, uh, just one other friend. We went and hit up. Uh, he's like, "Hey, do you want to play nine? I was like, "Yeah, I should. <laughs> I should do that. Yes. Yeah, I, I need. I need that. Yeah. Yeah. What did that? What did that experience give you? Like when you're, when you are super busy and you are juggling a lot of things, does it? Does like going to play golf help relieve some of that stress, or is it like? Does it? at all pile on to like, Oh my God, there's so much I need to do. I think, I mean, for me, I'm, I'm pretty good at being able to compartmentalize some things. So 
mm. when I'm playing golf. Like I have a different relationship with golf than I used to have. I'm not playing for score or I'm not like, I guess I'm always trying to improve and get better and, you know, work on my swing, but I, I'm not playing for it, like to play in any tournaments or leagues or, you know, anything related to score. So for me, it's just going out there and trying to hit good shots. And that's what's the most enjoyable thing to me. Um, and just spending time with, with friends and kind of disconnecting from the world. So when I'm on the course, I can just solely focus on just enjoying the moment. Um, I think when I was younger, I, you know, I wanted to play well, I wanted to win in tournaments. I was like, I want to play at all of these beautiful golf courses. And now I'm realizing that while it is amazing to play at Bandon or Aaron Hills or Pebble Beach or Augusta, those would be amazing experiences. Even if I only got to play at my local muni with friends, that would bring me more joy than going to play mm. at Augusta. Yeah. If that was like the, if that was the, cause I always thought that was the pinnacle of golf. Like I need to play at St. Andrews. I need to play at mm -hmm. Augusta. I need to play at all of these top, you know, golf digest rated courses. And now I'm realizing that yes, that would be an incredible experience, but I don't need that to enjoy golf anymore. Like that was always something that I aspired to. Like I need to play there. I need to go there. Um, and now I'm just like, I don't, I have, it's, I think I have a healthier relationship with golf now because of that, that I'm not playing for score I'm not playing for trying to get to these grail locations. Man, big golf listening to this is going to hate <laughs> everything you just said. <laughs> Capital G yeah. golf. Right. Yeah. Man. I, I, think, my phone. <laughs> I think we've tapped into something. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, that I'm seeing more of in our community, our I don't even know how to really describe our golf community, but like, I think y'all yeah. know what I mean when I'm talking about that. Like, yeah, more and more folks are, uh, stripping away the, the strictures of what we know to be golf, like keeping yeah. score and counting strokes and wearing a tucked in polo, wearing a tucked in polo. Yeah. Like what, what are we do? Are we uh, the arbiters of of, of change here? <laughs> I I I mean, that's a that's a grand title. I think like I don't know that I would I would personally feel comfortable with like calling myself an art an arbiter of change, but like I think a steward at least at the very least, like an example of how something that Eric said um, in our episode with him in our, in our chat with him was like, I'm not really trying to change golf. I just want to show people how fun it can be. Yeah. And I think like that, that spoke volumes to me and I think is reflective of how, of sort of my attitude about it as well. It's just like, I don't entirely agree with that statement necessarily. I think there are things in this game that need to change. I, mm -hmm. I want to say that clearly. Yeah. But I also think that for people who are maybe on the fringes of playing golf, who have never played before, who have some idea of what they think it is as a as an institution, I'm taking it as my responsibility to show those people like, you can do this however the fuck you want to do it. And it's going to be fun because yeah. you are you, it is everything that you make it. And yeah. I think um, that's that's become my new mission is to just like 
show myself that it can be as fun as I make it. And in turn, hopefully that like shows other people as well because it's been documented, you know? Right. Right. Um, it, uh, drew what I was hearing in your bit was like, I don't need to go to St. Andrews to love golf. Like that is reflective of something I talk about therapy a lot, which is everything that I need is already in me. I, I already have it. Wow. Like, I can go to the pitch and putt right now. And if I make a birdie, it's still a birdie. If I make a bogey, it's still a bogey. But if I hit, you know, and if I hit this seven iron flush, it's still a flush seven iron. Like right. that, that, that feeling Absolutely. is never going to change no matter where no. you are. Um, <sighs> everything. So cool. Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter where we are. It's about being present. I think first and foremost, uh, and to that point, when we were together, at Aaron Hills, there were a few times I let the group we were with, like walk up ahead of me yeah. just so I could like look around and like, like, whoa. Right. right. I, I saw that a couple of times. I, was, I saw I saw you hanging back, and at first I was like, "Oh, did Brad lose a ball?" I, was like, no, I think he's just I think he's just taking it all in right now. I think he's just he's just that's soaking it, it in. Yeah, that's it, man. Uh, we never know when these opportunities will come along, and uh, especially on a course as beautiful as that, right? Yeah, like fo photos aren't going to do it justice. I'm no Christian Hafer. I can't. <laughs> I have no, a I have an iPhone 11. You know what I mean? Like I can. <laughs> I could try and frame it up as as nicely as I can, but photos aren't going to do it justice. I need to burn that into my memory, right? Uh, so I can I can take that with me to Roosevelt or Los Feliz pitch and putt. Like I, I need to to internalize those feelings and remind myself that they're repeatable. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Yeah. I, I definitely found a couple moments like that. I think Aaron Hill, like courses like that too, set up really well for moments like that. They kind of, they almost prompt moments like that because mm -hmm. they're so grand, because they're so, I don't know. There's just like, there's something in the way the ground moves that makes you feel connected to it in a really interesting way. And I, I had a couple of those sort of like solitary walks as well list like having the 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 noise in the background of like the group that we were with playing as an eight summer whatever it was in the background as like the sound of joy around me mm -hmm. but then also mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. listening to the wind and like looking at the grass i don't i've i've realized i don't do that enough and i'm trying to do that more it's to just like look at the grass people have spent wow. so much time and effort and money <laughs> growing this thing that we right. play off of and we, <laughs> that we, we just like, walk on yeah we just trot over it and i i've been trying to like identify more not like species but just like right. the way it feels to my eyes <laughs> of yeah. like damn that's crazy this grass at aaron hills is like saying something to me i don't know what but i feel it <laughs> <laughs> yeah and a, a, a green side chunked chip will also help you to appreciate the grass <laughs> like dang what did i do and then Damn. you bend down and you look and it's like 
oh no, the teeth of this grass were pointing right at the blade of my wedge. That's right. why <laughs> that right. happened. And then it's Thanks. like, oh wait, why did that happen? What kind of grass is this? You feel it? It's moist. It's damp. Wow, they take really good care of the greens here. <laughs> then, then you start like, okay, zooming out and like, wow, this is a work of art. This it's a is masterpiece. Cool. Yeah. And talking to people like Christine, I think, um, help illustrate that. You know that like. I think most people who play golf understand that like building a golf course, designing a golf course is a long process that it's like there, a lot of work goes into it, but I don't think you can ever really know the amount of sacrifice work, hours, time, money, whatever goes into it until you talk to somebody like Christine, who's just like, I'm literally thinking about like what type of soil that we're putting in here and testing different things. And yeah growing different species of plants to see if they work better in this climate things like like stuff like that blows my mind now it's a different level of appreciation yeah absolutely absolutely yeah one Uh, one thing that i one one takeaway that i had from from all of our rounds that we played together is we were relatively alone on all of the golf courses that we played on um which is not typical for golfing in the middle of summer in Wisconsin. Like usually, you know, there's people behind you, people in front of you, you're waiting on greens, but we kind of had the courses to ourselves, which was kind of like awesome and not what I was expecting. Um, And it just, I think that made it even more surreal of a moment, whether it was at Lasonia at Aaron Hills, that not only were we playing these majestically, beautiful almost like dreamlike places but we were there kind of on our own and alone and we were just able to do our own thing which we could have played 72 holes at Lasonia if we wanted to I mean and that's and that's not and that's not what happens at golf courses like that usually it's like they're it's very busy there's people behind you, people in front of you, and you don't get. To and it was a weekend. Moments. It was a Saturday, yeah. <laughs> right? That's what's crazy about it, right? Yeah. Um, I totally agree, though, Drew. Is like it, it, it added to the like the allure and the mystique of the trip yeah, like, itself. Is this real? Like, like it seems like a simulation. <laughs> we're just <laughs> like, alone at Aaron Hills with eight people playing with three bags of th- for eight eight people. Like this <laughs> is not real. Like. Yeah. This is not a real golf experience. Like you, you can't, you can't replicate that. You can't make that happen again. So, yeah. And like I said before, that was actually one of the most fun times I've ever had playing golf together. Legitimately, um, yeah. That I can ever, yeah, ever. Um, and we, I mean, we were fortunate enough to have help documenting it, recording all the stuff. Like right. we took photos and videos individually ourselves and. We're able to, you know, put some put some pieces of content together individually. Right. Um, but I'm curious when the last time each of you have played nine holes, 18 holes, uh, a round without taking out your phone. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do not remember the last time I've done that. I recommend it. Yeah. Leave the phone in the car for nine holes. I mean, the, like... the, the, the Twilight round I just played, I didn't take out my phone, didn't take any video, didn't take any pictures. Um, that's actually something, it's, it's funny that you mentioned that. That's something that I'm, I'm trying to actively do, not to not 
like since we're in the business of of golf content creation it's hard to not want to to take a video or take a picture right but i mean i guess i had my phone out because i was playing music but i wasn't seeking out content you know at that time which i think is super important just in in like life because i think everyone wants to monetize things that they're doing and um especially people that are that are as online as we are in this world. So for me, I, I actively try to not use my phone when I'm golfing, if it's not for any specific purpose, um, just because it's, it's well, one nice to unplug from email and just social in general, but also uh, just to experience hanging out with, with people that you love is important too. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. I mean, I think like it's even less nefarious than like, that necessarily I'm, there are some people obviously who are actively like trying to monetize their experience playing golf but i think like the way the way that i've tried to frame taking photos on the golf course and sharing them and things like that is like i'm having an amazing experience and sort of back to what we were saying earlier like i want to share this with people like it, it's i i want to make this yeah. experience collaborative and like open to discussion and things like that so I it's 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 weird because I, I do think there are there are times I think it is healthy to give yourself a break and um certainly give like the people that you're playing with a break because not all of them want to be plastered all over social media or anything like that either all the time um but yeah I think I think mentally emotionally it is nice to just like go out there with a half set and just like not your phone and just yeah. play, play a couple holes by yourself or whatever. Shout out to Hey for the, uh, the inspo for half sets. Yeah, for real. I started doing that, uh, like literally up until the trip. Like I, I, I knew I wanted to bring my full set for the trip, but I was, I have been walking around LA with a half set and it is a awesome. game changer. Yeah. It makes you, you it makes you get you creative. Those clubs. Right. Yeah. Like, am I hitting my five iron that much better than my six iron? <laughs> the answer I've... is no. <laughs> Wait, okay, so are you even or odds? I switch it up. Okay. Depending on the course. If like uh Yeah, depending on the course and how familiar okay. I am with it. Because I, I pretty much rotate the same three courses in LA. <laughs> Uh, and I know I like hitting my seven iron out of the fairway at Griffith park <laughs> a little better than I do at like sand Canyon, which is like a desert course. And Griffith is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I just gotta be able to go to my, my knockdown clubs. That's cool. Do you find yourself hitting different types of shots or like getting more creative with how you're playing? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I love when I'm like 160 yards out and I have the freaking green light with my eight iron. I'm like, yeah, I know exactly the kind of shot I'm going to hit. And right. if if that day is an odd club day, then it's like, all right, I might try and hit like a a cut seven or like, you know, I, I, I can definitely mix it up um, yeah. that way. And it's it. 
it's refreshing. It's a different take on golf. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I love it too. I so I, I'm an odd I'm an oddsman, um, and the my five iron is the longest iron that I have in my bag. Um, my five is the longest iron that I just have. Period. So I don't have a four or a three. Oh, wow. So hybrid gang. Yeah. So I don't have a hybrid either. So I go. I have a four wood, a five wood, and a driver. So oh, I usually just go driver, five wood, five iron, <laughs> and then seven, nine. And I also keep my pitching wedge just because that's like a, a money a money club for me. But the other night I had a uh, hundred or like two ten to the pin, but I needed to play a big draw around a tree. And I was like, I can't get my five wood to draw that much. So I used a five iron and it, I drew it like I was playing with one of my friends who's not really a uh, a good golfer he's just a he he plays for fun and i was like yeah i'm gonna draw it around this tree with my five iron and i'm like that's a little far for for me to get it there but maybe with the draw it'll roll more and i Mm -hmm. did i like hit the shot that i wanted to and it rolled just up to the fringe and he's like like how did you make the ball go that way i'm like i i actually don't know it was i hey when you know your clubs man you know you know your clubs yeah, but uh, but yeah, I mean, it's just it's like that that moment was just kind of fun because where he's like, you know, I'm I'm a pretty decent golfer, but actually hitting like saying like, okay, I want to hit this golf shot and then yes. executing on it, that was kind of a cool moment to not only just do it for myself, but also someone just being like, wow, that was cool, <laughs> like you did exactly what you said you were gonna do, yeah, uh, which is like that to me is almost better than making an eagle or making a birdie because like I said, I, I now I'm playing for just like just different shots or hitting the shots that you want. And obviously mm-hmm. that will lead to a lower score, but um, yeah, that's, that's where I'm finding a lot of enjoyment where it's like, all right, I'm going to try and hit like a little draw here, or yeah. you know, I'm actually going to try and hit uh, a certain spot. And that has been way more fun than keeping score or, you know, yeah, you any, get to practice. Type of golf. Yeah. It's like almost, yeah. Like you're out there practicing. You're just practicing, man. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. Yeah. We're talking about practice. Yes, we are. We are talking about practice. <laughs> golf. I mean, yeah. Like, I was about to say something so lame. I was gonna say golf feels like the the driving range for my life too, in a in a sense. Like go off, it's, it's cool to like process to to like learn things about my decision making process on the golf course and like how do I apply those principles to my decision making process in life generally. I think like you know, like when when you finish a round of golf, you typically end up in a much different place mentally and emotionally but you do end up in relatively the same place physically right like you you go back to the clubhouse and you're like basically where you started right the first tee is like right over there Mm -hmm. you have a decision to make you know (laughs) do you go home do you like let that experience of playing sit in isolation or or like, and do do you like dissect every decision you made on the golf course, or like everywhere that you went wrong, or do you like waddle back over to the first tee and throw <laughs> another peg in the ground? Do you try and like improve, not necessarily like with your score, but like with your like, do you try to apply what you've just been taught about yourself mm-hmm. on the golf course and attempt to like understand those lessons? Yeah. I find myself constantly doing that. Right. Yeah. Like, and I think like though that's what, that's what I love about golf is that it teaches me to apply those same principles and like, 
questions to behavior and actions in my own life outside of golf. Yeah. It's like it incre- increases your self-awareness. Like what I, so what I w- was thinking about while you were saying all that was like, uh, say I hit behind the ball a little bit. I'm telling myself when I get to the next shot, you know, keep your chest of ab- above the ball. Like, you mm-hmm. know what you did on the last one. So like, you know, I'm, I'm, Talk, I'm talking to myself, I'm coaching myself uh, in a way that can show up off the course too. Mm-hmm. Like struggling to find a, a perfect example, but like just self-awareness is so important to me right now Yeah. Um, with all that is going on globally. Yeah. And even just, you know, boil down to like my relationship, like, self-awareness is is key it's key to communication it's key to life life man yeah (laughs) like um have you ever heard that golf is a metaphor for life (laughs) 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 yeah like like that self-talk that's that that self-coaching is that's that is what is so sexy about golf to me totally because i get a (laughs) chance to to improve on my very next attempt Mm mm-hmm I've actually been something I've been working on in therapy is like trying to be more selfish, like, Oh yeah. Give myself more. And you've, you've shared a lot about this, Brad. And like, I, I totally agree and align with a lot of what you have shared in the past of like giving yourself props, giving yourself vacation, giving yourself like time off. I struggle with that a lot too. And so self-awareness is not just like self censorship, right? Self awareness mm-hmm. can also mean like, no, speak up for yourself. No, like, hit that second shot because you weren't happy with the first one. Mm-hmm. And we had a moment like that at Aaron Hills. Remember, like, yeah, you're, you're in the middle of fairway. Um, I think I had like 120 yards to this pin, and it was just like a cool shot ahead of me. And I was like, all right, let me like try something fun here. I took out a pitching wedge shut it down and try and hit this like low runner Mm -hmm. and i flew the green and i was just like fuck i had that i have that shot in the bag it's like we're playing with like eight people like don't want to take too long and i was just like fuck throw another one one down hold my beer yeah exactly and i threw another (laughs) one down i hit a shot and that like that decision that i made felt so it's such a small thing, but it, it's, it felt like such a treat that I gave yeah. to myself. Yeah. I'm just like, Liberating. just hit another shot. Just fucking do it. And it was so impactful to you. And it showed so much that I said something. Yeah. I was like, yeah. I was like, wow, we're a lot alike. <laughs> like, I would have done exactly the same thing. And let's be clear, your first shot was not a bad shot. Right. You actually, you 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 did exactly what you set out to do. Right. I just, was impeccable with my shot. You were impeccable with your shot. <laughs> just like just like slightly longer than you would have liked. Right. And I could feel that you wanted that one back. So when you right. dropped the ball, I was like that's fucking right, Connor. Let's go. <laughs> go get it. You, you, you hit that shot. 
Yeah. <laughs> you stick that ball to four feet. <laughs> and I did. And I, I think like, yeah, that's, that's the point I'm trying to make. It's just like golf is my driving range for life. Like I think I, I truly believe that as like cliche or stupid or douchey as that sounds. Like I, I believe that giving myself that extra shot is it's that's therapy for life. Like I want one back in life. I want to, I want to like do that one over. I want to like, I want to experience more of it. Mm -hmm. How much of that? Yeah. Uh, I'm recalling a moment in our convo with Eric where, um, he talks about self-improvement in trying to slow things down and be slower to react. And Mm. I wonder in that moment where you're like, I need to hit the second shot. Is that what you're thinking about? Like, let me just take this breath. Let me slow down. Let me, let me give myself this thing. Cause it, you could very easily just feel the pressure of, there are eight people here. I don't want to take up time. It wasn't a bad shot. Like, fuck it. I'll just move on. But like, what is that? What is that thing? What is that thing you're saying to yourself in that moment of like, let me, let me drop this second shot. Yeah. It's a good question. I think historically by nature, I'm someone who, um, I never want to feel like I'm holding people up or like making the groups experience worse at my expense oh that i want you i want Mm. you to finish but i have something to say to that okay but i'm working on that and and this is going back to my point of like be more selfish like take something for yourself like give yourself something and i think in that moment that was that was the decision that was the like the friction for me was like no i should just probably go up to the up to the green and pick my bag up and just go play that first shot. But I was like, no, it's fine. It's another 12 seconds. You're pretty quick player. Anyways, just hit the shot. And that, that small moment was so meaningful to me, I think, because a, I gave myself that decision, but in enacting that decision, like in the process of hitting that second shot, I wasn't thinking about anybody else. I wasn't like freaking Mm -hmm. out and rushing and trying to just like get it over with and do it. Cause I know that I I'm starting to recognize that thinking about those outside voices or factors or complications will diminish the experience that you just gave yourself. Yeah. So if you're going to take that, if you're going to give yourself something, if you're going to be selfish, own it, take it, be in that moment and like slow it down think about it and it worked yeah how about that <laughs> right yeah i'm glad you you verbalized that i'm glad you reminded yourself of that uh because yeah right now I'm, I'm just so big on getting that message into my consciousness and reminding yeah. myself that i can do this thing again um right. the, the the thing i wanted to say um, I can relate to 
considering other people's feelings over yours. Mm -hmm. I am someone who will ask what the group wants to do on my birthday. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. 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 And I have been doing that for 30 years. (laughs) Like, um, like I, I caused myself a lot of anxiety as a kid doing just that mm-hmm. and never fully just leaning into the fact that this is my fucking day. Yeah, I get one day out of the entire year. No one can tell me shit. No one can tell me where to go, what to do, what to wear. This is my day. I'm allowed to make it about me. But for 30 years, I have struggled to own that and tell mm-hmm. myself that. Mm-hmm. Um, so dropping a second ball is actively like chunking away at that, whatever that thing is. I, yeah, that's, that's wow. dope. That's, you're welcome. You're yeah. welcome, listeners. <laughs> Damn. I, 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 yeah, I, I love I love all of that. I I feel very similar in a lot of ways where it's like sometimes I feel that I get I will get joy from letting other people like make those decisions or it's like where mm-hmm. like I would almost feel bad if my decision would make other people unhappy, so I'd rather just have them decide so that they're happy and then I would be like happy and or like I would get joy in you know, off of their happiness almost. So it's like, like, oh, I might not want to go to that restaurant, but they don't want to go to the restaurant I want to go to. So I don't want (laughs) them to have to suffer just for me selfishly. So I'm like, I would rather just see them happy where they want to go than me eat at the place that I would want to eat at. Or, you know, any, I don't want to put in any scenario. Yeah. 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 I, yeah. So I, I definitely, I absolutely feel, yeah. And the reality is, The reality is if the folks you have around you love you and care about you and you're selfish and just do the thing you want to do, they're going to enjoy themselves too because they love you and they want to see you happy. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's something that we all need to keep ingraining into our minds that it's a process. Yeah. Right. Yeah. (laughs) It is. We try. We'll we'll, we'll keep (laughs) each other. We'll keep each other. uh, We'll keep each other accountable. Yeah, yes, we, we're yes. just dropping the in the group chat at six a.m. Yeah. What are you going to do for yourself today, Connor? Ooh. Right, right. I love, <laughs> I love that. Um, going on the the topic of of selfishness for this transition, let's talk about ourselves. Let's talk about group call therapy as a podcast. Yeah, what, haven't uh, done that much. <laughs> Truly, like, um, no, like yeah. we, th- th- we haven't really talked about it too much. So, like, I don't know, people who uh, a lot of new people listened to our show this week because of we had Christian Hafer on, um, which was so much fun to talk to. Like, he was yeah. he was a blast, and it was also our first like in person podcast that we recorded together. Which, like, that is a whole experience in and of itself. But you're right, Drew. Like, up until this point, we haven't really talked to each other about each other um yeah we've talked to guests which has been incredible but um yeah you're right let's give each other some space <laughs> yeah <laughs> um so qu- question for for drew 
Um, how did we end up here? You played collegiate golf. You were a men's fashion icon. <laughs> Style dude. Like, and, and, and you've weaved golf into what you, uh, what you present on your social media. And in a way that's like, so covert. Like I, I scroll through your page hmm. sometimes because like true. dead ass Drew, I will go to your page when I'm like, all right, I'm running to Target. What do I want to wear? Hmm. Okay. I like, like that. I'm Appreciate I'm that. so serious. That and Ma Mandy can attest compliment. to that. <laughs> that is That's a amazing. huge compliment. Um, and, and I found myself like, you know, scrolling down like four or five scrolls, and I'm like, oh damn, he's always posted about golf. And yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah like, so I like how did you though? Very so how did we end up here, man? Like, give give us a backstory. Introduce yourself to the uh, to the folks. I mean, it's it's, it's kind of crazy. So I, when we had Mister Sean Hotchkiss on the pod, and I and he was a, a fashion writer, worked at GQ, lived in New York, was living, you know, probably the life that I would have aspired to have had at one point in my life. Uh, you know, working working at Condé Nast, doing fashion writing, attending fashion shows, New York Fashion Week, like in, in the heyday of menswear and all of those things, like that was something that I, you know, I, I read his articles and enjoyed um, participating from Wisconsin on like Instagram and like my own blog. So I've always enjoyed fashion, but golf really fell by the wayside for probably about a decade in my life. And I realized that golf had completely fell by the wayside when uh, one of the times I was at um, the Project Show, which is like one of the largest uh, tra fashion trade shows in like North America in Vegas, and I was down there with the like the Blogger Project, where they basically brought in a handful of bloggers from around the the country to kind of cover the the trade show. And one of the nights we went to Top Golf, and I was like, I was like, oh, don't worry, guys. I actually I played college golf, so I'm I'm pretty good. And I missed <laughs> the first time I I tried to hit the yes. golf ball, which it, and so this was maybe like in 2016. And after I missed hitting like a driver, like swinging and missing, I've never swung and missed and hit a golf ball in my life. And I was like, oh my god, I'm not a golfer anymore. Like this is not even a part of my life. And then like it like grabbing the club out of like the bag. And like holding it, I was like, this feels so foreign to me. And this was something that I once loved and spent so much of my life pouring my like my soul into. And that moment, maybe what, like five years ago, I was like, I'm not a golfer anymore. Like I I missed hitting a, a golf ball. I've never missed hitting a golf ball, even when I was like nine years old. So mm -hmm. um, that feeling was like, all right, maybe golf is it's over. Like I, I'm. I, I didn't watch golf on TV. Hang them up. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, I, I had, I had golf clubs, but I, I just hadn't played. So from there, um, you know, I was still doing the Instagram blogging fashion stuff. And then last year hit and uh, maybe I would say in 2019, I probably played a handful of rounds just because I had a few friends that kind of started getting into the game. And I was like, Oh yeah, I'll go, I'll play golf with you. If you want to play golf, I'll play golf. Um, why not? I, you know, I, I used to love playing and that kind of started getting the juices flowing. Like I said, I maybe played four rounds in 2019 and then last year happened. There was nothing else to do. I probably logged over 50 rounds of golf, um, 
which is more than I'd played in a decade, 20 or 15 years. And, you know, I found RGC. I found a lot of communities on, on Instagram. And that really just solidified that the game had changed from when I was playing in, in 2006. And that there were, you know, creators creating golf in a way that was interesting to me and wasn't just khakis and polos and PGA mm. Tour players. There was actually interesting, unique people like yourselves uh, participating in the game. And, and that just reignited that love. And, um, and yeah, and here, and here we are today. So of course I had to in, I had to introduce that into my Instagram feed. Um, kind of I think fashion just kind of fell by the wayside just because it was like golf just took that first rung of of interest. So I, I mean I obviously mm. still care about clothes and things, but you know golf has just become my number one again. There was a moment in our session with Sean where you talked to him about an article that he had written about throwing a bunch of clothes away basically like signifying that clothes weren't everything clothes like these these material items don't define me they they aren't they aren't me so i can get rid of some of them and you brought that up because it sounded like you had a particular connection with that message or that that like that article in particular um do you do you still feel that way? Like, do you, is that your relationship with fashion now? Um, do you, or, or are you like back on a buying spree? <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. I think as like a, as like a style person or, or like a persona that, that puts on trying to create outfits or just showcasing your own personal style. I think that I had built up a, a wardrobe and a collection of things where it's just like, I'm I'm only like I'm doing this just for Instagram. And now I've realized that um yeah, like I really only wear the same things. I, I enjoy the same things. So I've I've yeah, personally downsized a lot of my collection of clothes and shoes just because like one, I don't really care about showcasing outfits on Instagram. Like I will, I will still do that and um I do still enjoy doing it, but overall I don't like clothes kind of almost became like a defense mechanism or some sort of armor to protect yourself from the outside world where it's like you want to you want to look a certain way or think people you want people to think that you are a certain way um, which is i think why a lot of people get dressed or or behave in that manner um and yeah no i think i have a much healthier relationship with with clothes now that it's just like i I wear what I want to wear. I support the people that are making clothes that I think are, are really dope. And, you know, I'm not dressing for anyone or I'm not dressing for Instagram um, or, you know, I'm just doing it for myself. What does that say about your relationship with yourself? Like, is there a parallel to what I just heard you say is like, I I don't need my garb to define who I am it, it sounds to me like there's been an evolution internally as well of like I'm more comfortable in my own skin or something like that do you does that resonate with you yeah I mean 1000% I think what one part of it has to do with just getting older and gaining wisdom in that field but I would say if you would have asked me 10 years ago if I 
if I would have thought I would be where I am today, as far as like what I've accomplished in, you know, the fashion space or even like the golf space, I would, I wouldn't believe you. So I think for me, it's, it's a lot of times having conversations with like 22, 22 year old version of myself or mm. the 16, uh, honestly, one of the, the ones was, um, talking to, um, like the, like the, the 10 year old version of myself where it's like, Hey, you're, you're going to have a connection with foot joy and they're going to send you shoes. And it's just like, what? <laughs> like, yeah. I, like, I grew up just pouring over golf magazines. So it's like, for me, that exercise that we've kind of talked about more recently of, of talking to the younger version of yourself has been just really eye-opening and just, it's like, it's, yeah, it's opened my third eye, really, where it's just like, when you're in the moment and when you're building things and doing things and accomplishing things, it's, it's really hard to like reflect back. But if you reflect back and talk to that younger version of yourself that doesn't know what the future holds, or they're just dreaming about things um, like that is super cool because mm -hmm. it just, that, that really helps the self-awareness I think, because it's like in the moment, in the grind, you're like, you're on to the next thing you're trying to, to build and, and um, connect with the next person or you know you're always trying to do something you're always trying to do more but i think it is really important to have uh to reflect have that self-awareness and, and and talk to that younger version of yourself and and let them know like how many cool things are are in store for them like that's yeah that's so it, it really it's something that really makes me grateful for for everything that that we're doing and everything that um yeah just everything that's that's happened so far yeah, I feel that too. Very grateful. Yeah, man, I'm glad. I'm glad you uh, you came into our lives when you did. Ditto, hundred percent. Yeah, man, Connor, I'm gonna pitch you the same question. How did we end up here? Yeah, um, I mean, like going way back, like golf for me is an accident. Like, it never should have been in my life. Nobody in my family plays golf not a single person. And <laughs> it only came into my life when I needed money. It was a, um, both of you know my background a little bit, but I, I started caddying when I was 15, 16 at a country club outside of Boston, purely as like a forward thinking play. It's like, I need cash for my life. And like, I think I'm going to go to college maybe. So like I, I'm going to have to take out loan. I just like, I, I need money. And this I heard is a pretty well-paying endeavor. Um, up until that point, I despised what I thought I knew about golf. I thought it was only for the rich. I thought it was only for white people. I thought it was only for men. Um, and I was massively resentful as a caddy, even at like, 16 years old of like, this is bullshit. I hate everybody here. I have no connections here. The course that I caddied at, um, had a, had a, had an 18 hole like championship course. And then they also had a nine hole course. That was like an executive course, a shorter course, a smattering of par fours and par threes and a short par five that gave, you know, terrible, like a not, not great player, or a, an aspiring player, an all too rare glimpse at a birdie, you know, which is like really cool. <laughs> uh, 
And on Tuesdays, sorry, on Mondays, the, the main course would be closed for maintenance, updates, things like that. And the short course would be open for caddies to play all day. Whenever you wanted to, you go down there and, and bring clubs and you can play as many times as you want. And I had no interest in initially of like going down there and playing, but a couple of the people that I had made friendships with in the caddy shack said like, come meet us here on Monday. We'll play at night. We have like a league that we play. And I was just like, I'm not a golfer. I'm 16. You guys are like in your forties. This is a train wreck <laughs> waiting to happen. Do I need, a, do I need to call my mom? <laughs> but, um, I will never forget like the first Monday that I joined this group of like 15 professional caddies playing golf. I saw the other side of this game. The, of course they like, they were wearing, they were in a dress code because you're at a private club, but there was just an air of relaxation and joy that I hadn't seen before on the golf course. And that was, when I say like instantly infectious, it had nothing to do with hitting a golf shot, mind you. There was no like, I, the first seven iron I flushed, I knew that I, I was going to be a golfer. There was none of that. It was just like purely based on culture and purely based on vibe, personality that I was getting from the people that I was playing with. And I was terrible, but the course didn't care, right? The course is just there as a vehicle, as a medium for conversations, for learning from people, from learning how to behave. I was a gangly, like chubby 16 year old kid. I felt super awkward around these older guys, but I had to put on some degree of a, of a front and learn mm -hmm. really quickly. Like these people are tough. <laughs> They're like hardened. Like I have to grow up too. And so, so that experience for me taught, taught me so much. And, and this is getting too far into it, but like golf became everything for me in a lot of ways when I was, you know, towards the end of my high school age and fast forwarding, um, there's, there's more we can go into, but fast forwarding, I was, you know, I was, I was working a job that I really didn't enjoy. I was doing corporate public relations for a vacation rental company and golf had had remained a, a passion of mine but one that I felt wasn't being represented well enough in media in content in fill in the blank not across the board but on a mainstream level mm. not well enough that that's not the golf that I know at PGA tour at golf.com at <laughs> that's not drop, the golf that I know drop the names <laughs> yeah. um, particularly I wasn't seeing any stories or representations of what it, it's like to be a caddy because that was truly what gave me the game that's what gave me my life in a lot of ways and so I, I challenged myself okay, like, you know how many stories there are out there from the Caddyshack, the like, and I'm not talking like PGA Tour caddies who are like, yes, we go off our yardage books and we step everything off and we have, we do trigonometry in the field. 
none of that i'm talking like the the scum the like the like dirty floorboards the like lines of cocaine off the ping pong table the (laughs) the like late night trysts above the pro shop the like (laughs) nodding off in the fairway the like showing up at 6 a.m on two hours of sleep and like still drunk the 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 underbelly you know the, Mm -hmm. the cultural underbelly to golf that is just undocumented because people are scared of that because mm-hmm. it isn't pristine it isn't clean it isn't nice and so that's where this current iteration of my golf journey began was a desire to see those stories and because i wasn't seeing them foolishly perhaps i wanted to write them myself <laughs> i'm not a writer <laughs> i'm not i have no background in writing but um that's really what I found was a a cost, a low cost medium or tool to to get some of those stories out there that I wanted to see because they were my experience. And I guess that is what has led me here to a degree. It's not what led me to you guys necessarily, but um, that's where I find a lot of my current identity is reclaiming and sharing some of those stories that really don't exist in, in current golf media. What makes you think you're not a writer? Um, yeah, that's a good question. (laughs) Well, I suppose you could say that anyone who writes a thing is a writer. Right. Um, I just mean that I had no background in it before. Um, like you didn't study writing. You didn't. No, no, not at all. Not at <laughs> all. You didn't go to and, conservatory for writing. <laughs> no. And I'm sure that's evident in the stories that I do write. It's just like, I'm not a journalist. I have no, like, <laughs> I have no journalistic integrity. That's for damn sure. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm also not, I'm also not writing an AP style, you know, like it, it's not, it's not a clinical endeavor. It's yeah. purely based on. I think this is a cool story and like, I'm going to use words that don't exist to try and help tell it. (laughs) Yeah. That's enough, man. Like, I I think that's true of any creative endeavor. Like, sure. F, F the, the, uh, formal training. Yeah. You were born with that in you. You were born with that, that creative eye, that panache for words uh, that we've all come to love you for. Um, <laughs> I'm glad it pisses some people off. <laughs> I mean, let it, <laughs> you never as bad as they say you are. You never as good as they say you are, man. You, you, I mean, you're a writer, you, you have a gift, you, you, you bring a lot to the table. Um, so it's, it's interesting to, I, to hear you self identify, not, Mm. as uh what largely brought your quote-unquote fame (laughs) (laughs) Uh, writing writing is one of those things where yeah it's honestly yeah you're right you have it or you don't have it it's not you yeah you can learn technical skills you can learn writing styles ap mla whatever but Mm -hmm. either you're a either you're a talented writer 
or you're not. And it doesn't matter how much schooling you have, how much, I mean, okay, practice, you can, you know, you can get better at writing, but you either have a voice or you don't, you know? So, and, yeah. and you do, you, you have it, Connor, for sure. Um, you have, you have the juice. <laughs> I appreciate that, guys. Uh, I love the, the underbelly that you yeah. talk about. Yeah, like that. That is something that interests me yeah. about. Uh, I mean, I know a little bit about your background, your childhood, your growing up. Um, but I wonder what what was the thing that made you want to write about that experience, that culture, that that underbelly, like. Aside from it not being documented largely. Yeah, that's that's definitely the big one is that I didn't see those. Like, I, I remember buying a few books about what it's like to be a caddy. My experience being a caddy in Scotland. My experience, mm. like, learning mm. how to be a caddy to be on the PGA Tour. And I was like, fuck that. Like, <laughs> that is that is, like one percent of people's experiences in this specific line of work one percent of one percent right yeah so there was that Truly, and yeah. like and i think i just think like caddies are so interesting there's such a it's such like uh the, the other thing i'll say too is like i mentioned this earlier but it's low cost right like i i'm not a I can, I can read and write functionally. I don't know how to shoot a camera. I don't own camera equipment. I was like, I mean, this would be a great sitcom is like a three camera in a Caddyshack, but I can't do that. So mm -hmm. what, what can I do? I can write some words down on a paper and throw it on a blog that nobody reads. That's great enough. Mm -hmm. That's enough for me. Um, and, and I, I really identified this with, um, with what Sean was saying about his experience writing, specifically his experience writing from a really narrative, raw, personal perspective is like survival, like catharsis, like you yeah. need to, you need to get those stories out. And what I realized after writing my first thing that was centered around caddies and golf culture was like... I'm using those stories as a Trojan horse for my own growth, like my own story, my own relationship with golf and with people. And I hope it, I hope it's subversively clear that like, I don't write about golf. I write about people. Yeah. I write about relationships. I write about humans who are like pouring themselves into something. Um, that's what's important to me. So it's it's so much less about the shot or the review of the golf course or the where the pin was that day or like that is so that is so much less interesting to me than I caddied with this guy who is uh who taught me so much about man like i 
I'm so much more interested in, in the years that I spent with people who are dead now, who taught me more than any teacher ever has about how to engage with somebody, mm. how to look somebody in the eye, how to be impeccable with your word, how to show up on time. There's an instant gratification there that I think has largely gone underexplored in golf um, from, from the caddy's perspective. So there's so, there's, there's so many more stories there. And um, I'm just, when I get some more time, mm -hmm. I'm excited to, to write some more of those down, but um, it's a process. It's really fun. It's, it's, and it's also really hard. <laughs> it's really hard. Um, Cause it is, like I said earlier, like a mirror for myself and, and I have to face a lot of who I am and faults and flaws and all that sort of stuff, which is sticky. Yeah. And I think like a lot of what we're, the three of us are trying to do, we're trying to create something that doesn't exist. You're trying, you are, you're digging deep to right. um, explore what those relationships and what those stories mean to you and put them on paper there's one Connor right. and one point of view that and like you said, I, it's not about the shot. You can go to golf.com for that. <laughs> like, but we come to the bag bandit for the bag bandit <laughs> like that, that matters. Uh, and your point of view is, is strong and you're writing is inspirational in that it's more raw than you think. Mm. Like I, I, I watched and listened back to when you and Sean were having that exchange about mm -hmm. being more committed to, to rawness and honesty in your writing. Um, mm -hmm. Man, I admire for what you do already. I appreciate that. I just know that there's more in the tank, you know, like there's, there's that's more. scary. Yeah, there's, there's that's like feeling. It's terrifying. More terrifying. No, well, I it's, mean, it's... I mean, it's scary for us. <laughs> if this the, the world of golf as a whole, if this is yeah, if the Bag Bandit blog is is surface level, wait till that man goes two percent deeper. Like it's it's yeah. like it's like. Giannis finishing out the finals on a half a knee. Quarter like, of a leg. Yeah, like get that man two full healthy legs. Jeez. Game over. Game over. I'm telling like yeah, not like yeah. That's what that that's what that feels like to me. Wow. You're that good. You're that fucking good, dude. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I appreciate that. I um, it's a process. I'm trying to get better. Always trying to get better. Um, it's your turn, Brad. <laughs> I suppose. How did we get here? How yeah. did we get here? Man, um, I, I think y'all y'all started talking about like origin stories in golf, and mine was like. 12, 13 years old, growing up in a town that had a public course that I used to fence hop and steal balls and be a curious kid. 
I had a, a, a club that one of my grandparents' friends left behind. We, we live in uh, a home owned by my grandparents. Mm-hmm. Um, my grandfather is an army veteran, the first black medical technician in the U.S. Army. He literally built the medical equipment that they used in Vietnam um, and knew uh, some golfers just on military bases in the U S there's a, there are golf courses and there was one 30 minutes from where we lived. And I think just by being around golfers, he himself was not one, but you know, he, he'd pick up stuff and leave them around the house. So I had this old club that I would take across the street and knock some balls around. And it just kind of became this like secret that I had. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought I was going to the MLS. I wanted to be a professional soccer player so bad. Right. <laughs> um, but golf was like this this thing that really only my grandmother knew that I enjoyed. And 99, 90, 98, 99, uh, Tiger Slam, mm-hmm. the Williams sisters. It was a great time in sports country club sports for black people. So my grandmother saw that I was interested in golf and she's like, you get to pick, do you want to do golf or tennis? And I got you. Like I, I will float you, whatever you want to do. Wow. I got you. Um, I really did not take that offer seriously until years later. But, um, I went to a church that had uh, a, a lot of black golfers, as it turns out, attending. And I went on this youth camp and one of the the directors. So, so, okay, this youth camp was like literally on a an old school YMCA campground. So nature, lake, cabins, you know, the, the, the real like cookie cutter, yeah. uh, uh, camp trap ground. Yes. <laughs> camp. Yeah. Um, yeah. Shout out to the Marvis. <laughs> um, and I saw two of the camp directors one night just in the quad or like the open field, like hitting some golf balls. And I was like, I could do that. Hey, yo. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, really? Come show me. So I went over. They had, uh, I think I think it was a wedge. And I did not have a good lie. <laughs> you know, it, it was not a perfectly manicured fairway. Uh, I was hitting out of like some, some straw and leaves and burnt grass. And... I absolutely flushed this wedge <laughs> as a 13 year old in front of these 40 year old elders. Yeah. <laughs> and they, yeah. like, I, I audibly heard them gasp. <laughs> you took their breath away. Yes. <laughs> and I mean, I hit it so well that they could not find the ball. Like I hit it across where, hit whatever it this, quad. I did. Uh, and that feeling, I mean, y'all know the feeling when you absolutely just flush a club, your body doesn't even feel it. Mm -hmm. It it is like, 
there's no difference between your body and earth and right. the cosmos. <laughs> Just right. everything aligned perfectly. Mm-hmm. And I hit that ball and I was like, golf. Like that that was the spark. Damn. Grandma, um, I have an answer for you. Yeah, yeah. Like, I need a I need a set of golf clubs tomorrow. Right. ASAP. <laughs> Drop um, off at the crib. <laughs> so um from that experience, I I, I, I kinda I rode that high. I was talking to my parents about it. I was like, you know, dad, like I, my dad had a friend that worked at a golf course nearby and he had some extra clubs. And my dad was like, yeah, yeah. Like we'll, we'll get you like a used set. Like, don't worry about, don't worry about, you know, a brand new set yet. Let's just see if you even like it. Yeah. Like you hit, you hit one shot, son. Okay. Just, yeah, yeah. Just that'll, you got luck, beginner's luck. Every- Slow your roll. Yeah. Right. And to my dad's credit, like he was invested in my soccer career. He was okay. on the road with me every weekend, flying with me across the country to play these tournaments, these wow. showcases. Oh, my, okay. Yeah, my, my dad's a real one. And and he um, – so I think he was cautiously optimistic about my golf stuff, yeah. um, which I understand now. He's like, yeah. we're not going to make it to the MLS if you're splitting time between this and the golf course. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> so get those clubs out of here. <laughs> um, so, you know, he, he asked his buddy for a U set, and that was the set that I practiced with in high school. And I had buddies that were much better than me that, you know, I would play with. And um, probably about my senior year of high school was when I, like, found a consistent golf stroke. Mm. It's like, okay, like, I could – I can hold my, I can break a hundred on a golf course now. Yeah. Um, so graduating Which is high school. Like not a lot of people get there. First yeah. Time. As a teenager. Right. right <laughs> With exactly. no, like if you're, if you're a teenager and you haven't been in, you know, your local first T chapter or you, you got a family member that's a member at this club and you, can afford lessons and stuff like that's a, that's a hard yeah. thing for a teenager who's just picking up the game to do. Um, let alone facing like cultural barriers and right. So the media telling you that like, you're not supposed to be here. Right. Or the media telling you that we have one, <laughs> like we, we have Tiger Woods. Okay. Calm down, Bradford. <laughs> We, uh, like kids these days also don't know how easy it is like there's so many great like youtube channels to yes. learn the game and like so many coaches that are putting out content for free yeah like when 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 we were growing up we had like golf digest golf magazine and they're like two pages of tips every month you know it's like there was no yeah. youtube when i was nine year nine years old where I could just, or Instagram, where I'd be like, oh, look at all these cool golf coaches that will give me a tip. Like, everything I learned was either self-taught or just, like, yeah, like, watching other people do it. Um, or, yeah, reading, like, magazines or, like, golf books. Or, or like, you know. obsessively watching the majors on NBC. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Tape, like, VHS taping golf tournaments <laughs> and just watching people. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, yeah, no, yeah, it's, 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 so much, it's so much easier to learn anything in 2021. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, and I I didn't have that in search out for it. Yeah, for sure. And I didn't have it in high school. I didn't have it in college, really. Until like so, high school. I was just having fun with it. Uh, The Archdiocese of Philadelphia and Camden is 
such that a lot of the Catholic high schools in the area, you're almost guaranteed acceptance to one of the Catholic colleges nearby. Um, so I knew a lot of the guys who went to my college and played golf there. Mm -hmm. So we were all friendly and mm -hmm. they were like, yo, it would be dope to have you on the golf team. Like, just come try out. Um, so I did. And I made the team. I walked on. Wow. Um, I mean, we all know, you know, how Division three golf works. You know, it's like we're not out there playing for scholarships. It's basically like if you, you can make it not, around 18 holes. Yeah. You're on. If you can make it in, you know, with a sleeve of balls, you can you can make right. the team. Right. Um, but still, that was pretty big for me. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I really I felt really good about it. I still feel good about that. Um, but it was what happened after I made the team that led us to where we are today. I was subject to harassment and bullying from my own teammates, the very guys who welcomed me to their little family, their little team, um, you know, flying across the country with these guys every spring, spending hours yeah. in the van with these guys. Um, I mean, it, it wasn't, I wouldn't say like a full on onslaught, but it was constant. Yeah. It was every practice, every round, every, you know, plane ride, bus ride, you name it. Like there was something said or some joke or some lyric or some mm. thing, you know, that just reminded me like, <laughs> that's right. You're the black guy, <laughs> you know, like, uh, and, and as a, 19 through 22 year old that doesn't it doesn't really especially in the mid 2000s that doesn't really yeah you know one's having those conversations about social awareness social right. justice right you know um politically correctness right uh, so even if you are having the perception of like the way i'm being talked to or at by my teammates and coach is making me feel some kind of way like where do i even go with that like who do i even share this with who do i even like what's the next step other than yeah. just like sit with it right yeah like I, I didn't know how to verbalize it right i'm feeling a lot of things uh but no one around here can relate so right. yeah so i sat on that for that entire experience and quit golf immediately after yeah it's like all right thanks for my diploma <laughs> college golf was fun all right see you guys never and then like hung them up yeah done yeah um fast forwarding a few years because i'd hung them up for like three or four years uh i started a golf program at a school i was teaching at here in southern california and the energy and life with which my students brought with themselves to practice every day was like palpable infectious infectious yeah in a way that that i, I was like okay all right you got me i'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm back <laughs> so if it weren't for those kids man i i, I don't know it, we we wouldn't be here because they they breathed a fresh breath of life into me and into my relationship with golf. Um, 
how it relates to social media, uh, it took the pandemic. It took mm -hmm. the unfortunate lynching of George Lynch, uh, George Floyd, mm -hmm. to awaken something in me. Mm. Uh, that looked that that looked and felt, and I, I can yeah, I can say is activism. Yeah. Um, I mean, I was on the streets every day in LA protesting, um, signing petitions, calling my local reps. Like I was, I was really hitting the ground hard here. Mm -hmm. Um, and I took all of that energy and all of that angst, um, while it, it, when you're when you're in the midst of all that, you have to have some release. Like you, you've got to yeah. let it out somewhere. And golf was that for me during the pandemic because yeah. I could enjoy it safely outdoors. Um, right. So social media played a big part in that as well because at night I would watch that golf YouTube. You know, I would watch Rick Shields. I would watch Random Golf Club. Yeah, I would watch Good Good and be inspired and short i i realized very quickly like there is no one on this this in this youtube space that looks like me hold on yeah <laughs> wait a minute i could fill that void not to mention you are an actor this is true <laughs> i do enjoy being in front of the camera right um, checks, checks a lot of the boxes for sure yeah it does man it gives me a lot uh so I, I wanted to to put all of that, man, that, that activism, the love, the new love that I had for golf uh, and and fill this lane that I saw in golf and, and Bradford Wilson golf. The page was started and at first it was me, this this angry, angsty mm -hmm. meme maker, <laughs> which I, I that's how all meme makers start just angry. <laughs> Yeah, I, I miss it. Memes. <laughs> I miss it, man. <laughs> I sometimes I'll go back because I've archived them all. I haven't deleted them. I've archived them all, and I'll yeah. I'll go back and look at them. I'll be like, "Yo, that shit was funny." That, yeah, the, I think that like that that lens of like anger can lend to the best humor. Oh memes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah for sure. What I saw from you though was like it was it was more nuanced than anger. Like I'm sure anger was a part of it, but it, it was like it to on the receiving end it it felt like I'm angry, but I want this to get better. It's not yeah. like it's not anger and I'm done with this. It's anger and it's anger with a purpose. It's like anger with an intended outcome, which I think is like admirable, A. Because like it could just be anger, and that would be reasonable too. But it it it's also been wildly effective. And as I mentioned, like we've now witnessed remotely and in person, you're a very capable actor. You're a very talented actor, and not even just actor, but like communicator. You you're you're a very effective storyteller, and I think certainly drew in myself but i i think golf at large 
has a lot to be thankful for with you coming into this space and <laughs> like saying how you feel and communicating and telling stories that have gone untold from your perspective. Um, I feel very grateful to, to be just like a member of the audience. Ditto that. Man. Thank you. <laughs> it, it's been a, it's been a, a journey uh, because I, I, I felt that um, that angst and that anger and, and all that I was putting into making memes and making content um, through our relationship, the three of us, mm -hmm. and through uh, some friends that we have in the community now, mm -hmm. I felt that like toxicity starting to dissipate mm. yeah mm. um like in, in in a big way man like i uh i'm i'm so excited by golf i'm excited to see what everyone's up to i'm excited to to check yeah. my feed and and you know i'm i'm excited to see who is pushing the needle today um I, I I think the the through line that I've seen for for all three of us. I mean, I know we have similar kind of like, oh, we all played college golf, and now here we are, friends, starting a podcast. But the one through line that I see that even though all of our backgrounds and and our relationships with golf are different and have evolved, but the one thing I see is that we were all like lonely and thinking that we were just alone in this world and we were the only ones that had like experienced something like this and i think the fact that we've been able to share our stories more publicly through this platform and through our own platforms and receive real-time feedback of people saying hey no you're not alone i've had a feeling i felt like this as well which which has been probably one of the most liberating things where yeah it's it's like golf has done a number on everyone in some form and it's great to be able to have conversations and tell other people that it's okay like maybe you can come back to the game um it is it's a better time than it was 10 years ago five years ago 20 yeah. years ago 45 years ago um so i think that's like one of the one of the things that i've seen from us and from the feedback that we've received or even the the conversations that we've had with the guests is that you're, you're not alone. And I know that as corny as that sounds for like some sort of like podcast or mental health podcast, it's, it is <laughs> no, very real. true. Yeah. Yeah. It's that's, real. That's really well said too. Yeah. I, I totally agree. Uh, we are providing, I think what we needed 15 years ago. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. But the world yeah. wasn't ready for it back then. And now I think it is for sure. More so, well, maybe not, golf as a whole, but I think generally speaking, there's more people that are receptive to it than they would have been for sure. 10 years ago. Yeah. No, nobody's ago. ready for what we about to do. Okay. Right. Nobody. <laughs> the cookup is going to be <laughs> right. Right. Um, uh, one, one other quick uh, aside that is a question that I've been uh, thinking about. And I know that, I know that Brad and Connor, you guys have met in person before uh, in California 
but like what were like okay what were your like first opinions or first uh impressions i should say of like all of us together and and this is not like a self-serving like oh tell me how awesome i am in person versus <laughs> what you thought I was. no like like no honestly like was like did everything pass the vibe check and just like yeah what were your like yeah how did, how did how the did, vibe check was thoughts? yeah the vibe check was passed drew i i said i've said this like there were times where uh like if we were sitting down to eat or like and you would get up and use the bathroom or like you weren't around i would look at everybody and be like yo drew is funny as shit yeah yeah like i was like yo i had no idea drew was this funny drew you take swings man i love yo that. you yeah. you swing it. for the fences and i'm gonna tell you when you hit dog uh like the, some, some of yeah like some of the the hardest laughs i've had <laughs> <laughs> we're we're over this past week straight up uh appreciate yeah that. <laughs> I, I will say that if i had another life i would want to be a stand-up comedian even Ooh. if it was like imp like improv <gasps> night you know i've always like in college i i like i wrote some jokes and i i kind of thought about like maybe doing like a an amateur night but i never what? did but maybe yeah that i i love i love i love comedy um uh -huh. and i love making people laugh so you know, I, I do have some jokes written down, but I would have to write a lot more <laughs> because I feel like my, well, you've seen my humor in real time. It's like, it's just like in the moment and it's like maybe just like a quick witty thing where yes. like you can't replicate that at, at, for like a performance. Yeah, it's hard Whereas to, like, yeah. So I'm like, I just, you know, I feel like my, my, my humor is just best served just in groups of friends and not necessarily <laughs> to be on stage because. You know, then you have to like sell out to be a comedian and <laughs> turn into Kevin Hart and right. whatever you want to do. So I'm not I'm not gonna make uh, Jumanji part two. <laughs> Group yeah, nah. comedy. Yeah, right. Yeah, nah, I, that was that was the biggest takeaway for me. Um, you're also taller than I thought you were. Oh, sick! Nice. Yeah, I love hearing that. <laughs> like. I well Connor Connor's the tallest of the three of us, but like I think we have like a um a, a good like median Yeah, height. it's true. Yeah. Yeah. I actually yeah. thought like I was like I because like obviously I had never met you guys and I was like I see Connor, I'm like, he looks like he might be a tall, like a really tall person. Cause usually you're not like you don't necessarily have a lot of photos of yourself with right. other people, but right. you do you do post sometimes when you're playing with other people. And it's like, well, Connor looks like he might be a pretty tall dude. And I know he played baseball, so. <laughs> yeah. I'm bottom heavy. I'm built like a traffic cone. <laughs> <laughs> he said he thick. <laughs> Eight C's. Uh, but yeah, I mean, y'all were like, you know, kind of exactly what I was expecting. Obviously, we've had a lot of really in-depth conversations via um you know, our podcast and guests and just our own group chat. But, um, but yeah, it's like always, especially when you spend an extended period of time and like, we, like Brad and I room together a couple of the nights. So it's like, yeah. you, you get to see another side of, per, of people versus just like having conversations like this. Right. And like you get to see like how they interact with other people, how they interact at like restaurants or mm -hmm. going into a store. It's just like, and that, I think those are really telling times where, um you can really see a true person you can see like their true colors like yeah um, yeah. yeah like how just how are you throughout your whole day other than just on a an hour and a half zoom call 
Right. Because everyone puts up a front sometimes for things like that, but you can't do that when you're seeing them for 24 hours straight, you know? Right. <laughs> when you're exhausted at yeah. like 1130 after 19 hours of work. Yeah. Straight. Yeah. Yeah. And go back to that, that second ball you dropped at Aaron Hills, Connor, we had a moment where, uh, we, I don't know how to describe it. We just, we, we like synced, like our eyes just locked and we were like, I fucking love you, dude. Like, <laughs> and like, and I think in the moment I was trying to, do, I was trying to like put words to it. And I was like, y'all are my people. Like your, your body, your nervous system knows when you're around people that, that vibrate at the same frequency. You and said, you said that to me and it stuck with me really deeply which yeah you said your nervous system knows when it's found its people yeah and i was like rocked by that i was like you're <laughs> right yes you're right and this is that with yeah. the three of us this is that and mm -hmm. it's cool to yeah i remember in the moment it was cool to to like look above look from above that moment and be like this is fucking awesome yeah we are in it yeah, very yeah, special. Man. Very, very special. Um, regrettably, my computer is about to die, so I'm a little concerned that it's a whole, I got a, a whole thing. I got a tea time in ten minutes, so. Oh, amazing! <laughs> oh, well, this is a good way to good good place to end it. Um, final thoughts: Be selfish. Take time for yourself. Um, drop a second ask ball. Ask questions. Drop a second ball. Drop a second ball.